welcome friends. You're listening to The Feeling is Musical as presented by the Snohomish County Music Project. My name is Erica Lee and in honor of Mental Health Month, this week we are talking about dialectical behavior therapy with board certified music therapist Marissa Vanella as the final episode of our four-part series all about various topics within the field of mental health care. Marissa is a board-certified music therapist and pediatric mental health specialist on the Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine Unit at Seattle Children's Hospital. Following her clinical internship at St. Elizabeth's Psychiatric Hospital in Washington, D.C., Marissa pursued her passion of integrating music therapy into standard psychiatric care. In her current work, she works collaboratively with mental health therapists, psychiatrists, nurses, and other healthcare professionals to provide music therapy that reinforces DBT skills and helps patients understand the role that music plays in their lives. Marissa, thank you for being on the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. Okay, so I'm excited to talk about DBT and music therapy today. Before we talk specifically about DBT, can you give us a brief overview of how did you get into the mental health field as a music therapist? Yeah, absolutely. So during my internship at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Washington, D.C., I really got to see how music therapy was very thoroughly integrated into psychiatric care. I worked with a lot of patients um, who only received like group music therapy services and individual services, and I found it to be very effective. I observed a lot of progress in these individuals' lives. And upon moving back to Washington, I really just wanted to see how we could kind of change the pace of things on the West Coast and see if that can't be done in another setting. And so I had a friend who recommended that I start working at Seattle Children's Hospital on the Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine Unit, PBMU for short. And he was like, hey, like, you should come get some psych experience you know, post-internship so you can really, you know, learn more about what's going on in, you know, acute crisis stabilization. And so I got a job as a pediatric mental health specialist. And even in my interview, I was like, hey, I'm also a music therapist. And ideally, I would become our unit music therapist because I think that music therapy can be a really effective modality of treatment for our patients. And so from day one, The whole unit knew that I wanted to do this. (laughs) And so it was great to have a full year of advocacy with my coworkers, my managers, our unit director, clinical director, and also the other music therapists working at Seattle Children's Hospital. And so it took us a little over a year. And finally, we were able to find the funding for me to have a two-year therapeutic pilot study position providing music therapy on only the psychiatry and behavioral medicine unit for two years, two days a week. And so this was really great. The collaboration and the innovation between everyone was awesome. And so now I am about, let's see, a little over a quarter of the the way through. 
and we've just done so much great work and there's so much potential. So right now I'm really focusing on supporting the unit's existing philosophy and scope of services, which is crisis stabilization and intense skill building in a very short amount of time. And so a lot of the times, you know, we can translate our music goals into non-musical goals, but this setting is, is a lot different. It's like I may only see these kids for one session and we're really kind of zooming in and focusing on what's most important to keep them safe. And our unit philosophy includes basic DBT skills and structure. And so um, the mental health therapists and the psychiatrists, the whole treatment team is already implementing DBT interventions and teaching the kids all of these different skills. And so I quickly realized that my job and my role as a music therapist is I'm going to support everything that we're already doing using music. Totally. Okay, so that's super awesome. So let's dive in a little bit about DBT specifically. For anybody that's not familiar, can you give us an entry-level overview of what is dialectical behavior therapy? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll start with the first letter, dialectical. So dialectical means essentially that it's a balance between two things and that there's always going to be multiple options in our lives for everything that we do. But the main balance that we focus on in DBT is the balance between acceptance and change. And the overall goal is to create a fulfilling life that is worthwhile and you are engaging in things that you enjoy, activities, hobbies, etc. You have meaningful relationships. That's the, that's the overall goal and focus of DBT is that balance and then having a fulfilling and worthwhile life. Mm. And so what are some of the major principles or concepts within DBT? Yeah, absolutely. So the structure of DBT can look different, like logistically, depending on what facility you're at or if it's inpatient or outpatient. So I'll just focus on the four kind of skill groups that we focus on. Um, on the PBMU. So we focus on emotion regulation, which in my mind is kind of like the hardest stuff. So this is like when you're digging deep and you're trying to learn how to not let your emotions control you. And you're learning how to control your emotions step by step. Everything is really, it's really hard. And that's, this is more of like the change part. And you're really just like breaking things down and practicing and practicing and practicing. And it, emotion regu- learning emotion regulation can take a very, very long time, especially when you've like experienced trauma and the way that you react to your emotions and the behavior that happens and result to your emotions is learned and kind of ingrained in your brain. Um, so this, I think I mentioned this one first because I think this is the hardest one for Mm -hmm. our patients that I've seen is like, you know, when you're experiencing this emotion, it's your mind, it's your body, it's changing your environment. You know, you may be interacting with people different. How do you control that? So that's emotion regulation. The second one is distress tolerance. And so these are 
amazing skills to get you through those hard and intense moments and emotions in a safe way. So essentially, if you were to kind of imagine like emotion regulation being like the main pathway and then distress tolerance being like your brakes along the road. And so distress tolerance is, you know, distraction skills, self-soothing, you know, relaxation. Like how are you taking care of yourself while you are working through these hard moments? And so those are the like more skill and activity based things that we can help our patients learn of, you know, like learning how to play cards or, you know, picking up just like a skill that can occupy your mind so that you can stay safe in the moment. And another big part of DBT and really one of the kind of philosophical underpinnings of DBT is that all of our conflict in our lives stems from how we interact with others and our relationships. And so, you know, we're, we're usually having these strong emotions because of some conflict that we're having in our lives with other people, whether it be parents, friends, partners, et cetera, you know, at school. Um, so this interpersonal effectiveness piece of DBT really supports, you know, building those meaningful and healthy relationships. And so you can learn about different ways of communication and, you know, how to talk to someone and how to express your feelings to someone without causing more conflict. Yeah. And then the fourth skill group um, is mindfulness. And so this is a practice that I think really is a foundation for all of these skills and for learning for all of these things. Um, And it's just being able to be present in the moment. And this skill includes your emotions, it includes your attention, and it's really just like being able to like zoom in and pause everything else and focus in the moment. And this is where learning happens, this is where change happens. And so these mindfulness skills, we practice constantly on the unit. You know, if we're, even if we're playing like a short game or, you know, just having a conversation and practicing those distraction skills. So mindfulness is kind of foundation for all that. Mm. So within each of those categories, what are some music specific interventions that you do to address those? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with um, distress tolerance and emotion regulation. And so kind of as a basic with every patient that I work with, I try to help them kind of take inventory of the music in their lives. So, you know, how are you using music in your lives? You know, how does music impact us, right? Does, do you even believe that, right? So kind of assessing where they're at, does music impact you? You know, when you listen to a song, do you, does it change your mood? Can it change your emotion? Do you feel anything in your body? Do you have any thoughts coming up? Um, And then, you know, how do we use music to get through these hard moments? And so one of the first things that I like to do with patients is helping them kind of work through a personal music inventory. And so this includes, you know, identifying your reactions to music, identifying your preferences, and just seeing what you like, what you don't like. And then we can kind of figure out what might be harmful and what might be helpful as far as listening to music, because a lot of the kids that I work with are all adolescents. 
you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, and they love music, and they have their favorite music, and they, you know, will listen to it all day, every day on their iPod at home, and, and even through school and everything, and I, I kind of challenge them. It's kind of that change piece, right? So first, I'm accepting their music preferences, you know, even if it includes explicit language or anything like that, you know, as, like I try as best as I can to express to them that I accept their music and nothing is right or wrong. So there's that acceptance piece. And then on the other side, I challenge them and I'm like, hey, you do like, let's look at how this music could actually be harmful to you. And, you know, for example, um, there are artists that, you know, they're in their music, they express a lot of their depression and anxiety, hopelessness, isolation, and that's what they sing about. And we kind of can get stuck listening to that music because it can be validating, right? You listen to a song and you're like, gosh, this is exactly how I'm feeling. Like, I feel so validated. I feel not alone, which, you know, can be important, you know, especially kind of getting through those hard moments where you have that thought of, I'm not alone. Somebody else is experiencing this. But if we sit in that, then we're not able to move out of those emotions and control that those emotions. And sometimes we can get really stuck. I know I did this when I was younger. I would sit and listen to really sad music for hours. And I would just, you know, and thankfully I had the, the baseline emotion regulation skills to keep myself safe. Mm. Um, but a lot of our kids, you know, if they do spend four to five hours listening to sad music, it could lead them to harming themselves, harming others, and just really being stuck in an unsafe place. So that's how we kind of focus on emotion regulation and distress tolerance is how does music affect us in the emotion regulation piece? How can music help us move to a different place? And then also, how do we use music as distress tolerance? Like, do, can we use music as a distraction? Can we use any kind of sound as a distraction or is it soothing? Can it help us through these moments to where we can then be safe enough, talk to our therapist, talk to a friend, talk to a family member. An example is we create different playlists. And so right now I'm working with a patient individually and we have created an ups, a downs, and a neutral playlist for them. And so I kind of preface it with like, okay, we're going to go through your preferred music and what you normally listen to. And I'm going to challenge you to put each of the songs in one of the three playlists. Does mm. this song move me to a more uplifted state of mind? You know, whether it be, does it energize me? Does it make me feel happy, excited? Does it bring back a good memory? Um, and then we focus on, you know, does this song bring you down? Or does it validate a more low, unsafe emotion? I try not to use positive or negative because... It's kind of more of a spectrum. It's a balance. So yeah, does this song bring you down? You know, will it keep you in the same spot if you listen to it, essentially? Mm. Um, you know, what is the lyric content? Are there things that could possibly be triggering for you that could even bring you down even more? And then also, you know, is this song neutral? This is just a song and I like it and I don't have a reaction to it and that's okay. And you know, those can be used for 
you know, relaxation, distraction, kind of more neutral distress tolerance type skills. Awesome. Um, for patients that are able to see you as a music therapist on the unit, what is the overall response? And what is the response also from the other professionals on your team that you're working with? The response from the patients has been great overall. They're very excited to be engaging in something just different something different than, you know, sometimes we don't have to talk about anything and, you know, we can have a music experience that is supporting a DBT concept that they already know and that they're learning, but they just don't know we're working on that. <laughs> it's key. And it's a, it can be a mental break for them. And I think it's also, especially for the adolescents, their music therapy time gives them an opportunity to kind of unapologetically like be themselves. Like they get to be silly if they want. They get to be sassy if they want. They get to share their music. They get to learn more about each other. And it's not so focused on the unsafe behaviors where, you know, when they're meeting with their team, meeting with their family, you know, they have to talk about those really hard things verbally. Like, like you know, pretty much like 80% of the time they're talking about what happened, why did they come to the hospital, what behaviors they need to stop doing, all of this hard work that they have ahead of them. But, you know, when we're in music therapy, we don't necessarily have to explicitly talk about all those things. So I think it kind of gives them a sigh of relief. The response from all of the other providers and our leadership team, our management team has also been super great and supportive and everyone, you know, definitely, I think because I worked there for a year and I got to like plant little seeds and give little nuggets of information that really helped everything not be so overwhelming. Cause I think that for like a psychiatrist, for example, their theoretical orientation and schooling and experience is very specific and mm -hmm. so when we bring a whole new kind of left field way of providing treatment they're like you know there's a lot for them to learn and sometimes it can be a little bit off-putting but I think it's great because our culture at Seattle Children's is that we are innovative meaning like relentlessly curious like no matter what situation we're in like we're always going to try to think outside the box hundred percent of the time. And I really appreciate, you know, everyone kind of stretching their mind a bit and being willing to do that because it's really making a positive impact on the treatment that we're providing. And so I'm very thankful for that. That's super cool. It's super cool that it's so, it's such a supportive atmosphere, both from the patient response and from your colleagues. Um, for Families that are coming to Seattle Children's, how can they request or look into receiving music therapy services? Yeah, absolutely. So if they are um, being admitted to not the psychiatric unit, uh, not the PBMU, then they can request, um, you know, with their nurse or their provider saying, hey, like, I think my child would benefit from music therapy. And then our Three music therapists who were in the child life department 
across the whole hospital, they will receive that referral and then mm. triage out and uh, triage meaning like they will um, figure out who would be the best fit to go meet with that family. For the psychiatric unit um, right now, I'm only, because I'm working there two days a week, I work with the adolescent group. So ages uh, 13 to 17. So if there are patients being admitted to the PBMU, they will receive music therapy from me. And then we also have our other music therapists who come and provide music therapy for our younger kiddos and for um, a couple of our other groups as well. Okay, awesome. So basically just make it known that that's what you want and it will find its way to somebody that knows what's happening. Yes, absolutely. And the therapist will come see the family eventually. Yes, yes. awesome. Um, for students who are maybe looking to be music therapists, are in social work programs, other types of like helping professions, and they want to know more about DBT or look into some sort of trainings or whatnot, do you have any resources that can be helpful? Yes. The first place I would go to learn more about DBT is on Psychology Today. Psychology Today has a great overview of DBT and also a few articles that they have written about the effectiveness of DBT in different populations that you typically would work with. Also, a great place to look at would be uh, the University of Washington, um, because Marsha Linehan was the one who created DBT, and she currently still works at the University of Washington. So looking through their resources um, through UW, and for uh, music therapy and DBT specifically, I would check out the SpiegelAcademy.com. So that's Deborah Spiegel. She's a music therapist who has been developing DBT-informed music therapy online courses for music therapists to become more proficient at using DBT skills in their work. Awesome. And Marissa has already sent me some of these links, so I will go ahead and put the links like usual in our episode notes on our website. If you want to know more about the podcast or look up a transcript, anything like that, our website is ssnsamsusoncatmusicproject.org. You can also follow us on all social media at SC Music Project. Next week is the first week of June, and we'll be starting a little mini pride celebration on the podcast. Uh, we will be back with us and talking about uh, music therapy with LGBTQ youth, and then also the concept called queering, which is something that they have been part of really defining and building a movement behind that and then having that apply across different music therapy disciplines. So I'm really excited for that. Thank you, Marissa, so much for chatting with me today. Marissa's awesome. Marissa's also the president of the Music Therapy Association of Washington. So if you are just interested in music therapy in general in Washington State, you can check out that website, which is musictherapywa.org. Thank you, listeners, for listening, and we will talk to you next time. 